FBI! If the bus blows up, he wins. Hello and welcome to the Arnithology Presents the Keanu Copia. My name is Ben Hyten and with me as always is... Alex Bellelli, that's me. That is him. Got his name right for once. Hooray! Yeah. Today! Today! It might be the most excited I've been about an episode yet. More than Point Break, more than Dracula. We're talking about speed today, Alex. Yeah, we've got some double excitement going because I. This has been. This is my Keanu film. This is my first Keanu film. Uh, sorry, except Bill and Ted, of course. I was excited for Bill and Ted. I was excited for Speed. There's nostalgia for both for me. Dracula, Point Break. Didn't know about them, really. Okay. I mean, I knew about Point Break. I was yeah, excited yeah. to do it for you. For you, Ben. Thanks, man. With you. Yeah. Yep, sure. But I was doing it for you. Wasn't doing it for me. Were you doing it for the fans a little bit? They yeah, don't, yeah. They, they don't. Uh, no, they don't really deserve really. it. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't they, do it for them. They don't give us reviews. Well, I tell you what. Actually, before we go any further, I was. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna break with tradition, and I'm gonna do yeah. some listener feedback first. Oh, yeah. Let's go f- straight into that. Because long-time listener, one-time guest, big-time super fan of the Arnithology in all its forms, Richard Maul. Uh, yep. Who, lest we forget, came up with the brilliant pun Keanu Copia. So thanks again, Richard, for that. Richard, in my opinion, has taken Arnithologist fan status to the next level. Right. For it seems that week by week he is hunting down the films that we are watching so that he can watch them and then listen to our discussion of them. Right? Yeah. And this includes this note from him. My copy of Freaked arrived today. Yeah. Had to watch it immediately. I was sold on the opening credits. Really disjointed film, but I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I can see why the studio hated it, but if I'd seen this when it came out and I was a teenager, I would have thought it was the greatest film ever. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this is a really good comparison, it's like Rob Zombie directed The Naked Gun. Yeah, that, he nailed it. Very he nailed good. It. Yeah. Of course, it's always nice uh, to know that people are, are following along with us and watching the films, but to go to the effort of ordering a DVD copy of Freaked um, yeah. just to listen to our 40 minutes of rambling about it is uh, is really above and beyond. And I, it really yeah, is. I really appreciate that, Richard. And I'm really glad that at least he found something to appreciate in it. It doesn't sound like he particularly liked it, no. But I think, like me, it had a sort of hypnotic quality for him. Yeah, I was hoping it would at least have that for me. Yeah, that I could see. I could see this film as just so bizarre. It 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 has a dear place in my heart. It just it doesn't. You know, it it doesn't for me. Sure. And but it's great. Like and potentially, that's always been one of the goals of of the anthology is that potentially people would get a new appreciation for things that we like or act as we like at least. But really with Forgotten Films, which I do want to return to at some point, because we only just cracked into the 90s. And it would be a, it, there are some gems in the 90s that I know that you and I are going the to The 90s would with. have been amazing. No question. Yeah. yeah. So Forgotten Films from the 90s, we've got, we're learning a lot more about how to do 
the rest of that season uh, when we return to it. And and I'm and this every, a lot of Keanu films are really teaching me a lot about how to do forgotten films. And Freaked is an example of that. Yeah. You know whether we, whether I like it or not, that doesn't matter. The 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 goal of trying to find gems to recommend to people makes it harder because we found some real stinkers in an attempt at like digging out things that are like forgotten yeah. that no one knows about. Yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> I I've floated this again on Twitter this week. I really want to hear. I'm really grateful to Richard for getting in touch and, and following along and keep doing that. Please let us know your feedback on any of these films, and that goes for everyone. But I really yeah. want to hear from anyone who has a history with Freaked, like what it meant to them yeah. as a teenager when it came out. If there was anyone that was a part of that cult way back when, I really want to hear about that. We're not here to talk about Freaked. We're definitely not. But just on that not on that note of fans getting DVDs to watch movies, we do buy DVDs sometimes when we can't yep. find the films, um, either on streaming services or to rent. We now have several copies of different films, including some Arnie films too, actually. And Tom Cruise. That we had to buy on yep. DVD. Yeah. Um, uh, do we have some Tom Cruise films? I've got Losing It, which uh, I'm happy to yep. throw into the mix. So we do have several of these DVDs. And I think that we should run a competition, Ben. Mm-hmm. But not really competition, but just kind of like as a thank you. Is it bribing people to say, put a, give us a review, an honest review? We're not saying what you have to put. Give us an honest review on iTunes. Send us a link to say you've done that, or send us an email to say you've done that, and we'll with your with your name and address or whatever, and we'll send you one of these DVDs. First come, first serve. Yeah, and if you've if you've previously already given us a review, that's fine. Just email us the ornithology yeah. at gmail.com. Let us know that you've done that. Tell us where to find it. Um yeah, and just please keep sharing and uh, and keep liking and let's keep this train moving. Or should I say bus? Let's talk about Speed. Speed yep. is the 1994 film written by Graham Yost, directed by Jan de Bont, with a rewrite by, do you know this, Alex? No. Joss Whedon. Ah. So this is a, a really, really lovely, simple setup. I think the IMDb page synopsis is something like uh, a young cop gets caught up with a psychopathic bomber when he tells him that a bus will explode if it goes over 50 miles an hour. I mean, that's not Pretty quite much. That's not quite it, but no, that's basically no, it. Quite, it's, it. This is a classic... That's enough. It's a that's classic enough. 90s high-concept movie that you can describe in a sentence and you know what you're getting. And yeah. I'm going to show my hand. Speed delivers. I want to get one feature out of the way really quickly because yeah. it's very... Very important, I think, to how much I love this film. Okay. This is part of the crop of 90s and beyond films that can be described as Die Hard on a blank. So, Under Siege was Die Hard on a Navy ship. Yeah. This is Die Hard on a bus. Yeah. To the extent that the studio, when they bought the script, wanted John McTiernan, director of Die Hard, to direct it. And he passed uh, to go and do Die Hard 3, in fact. And yeah. uh, and so they said, well, we need someone who can do a Die Hard-type job. Why don't we get the cinematographer for Die Hard, Jan de Bont? And that is who directed this movie. And that is why, not only is it Die Hard on a, 
it looks and feels so much like Die Hard at times. Right. Yeah. Welcome to the party, pal. Uh, I ha- I hadn't really I hadn't really thought that. What I when did Die Hard come out? Eighty eight. Right. My very first note is, oh my god, this is so ornithology. Yeah. Like this is so OG ornithology. Yeah. That's what this is. And it's nine. It's I wrote. It's a nineties film with an eighties vibe. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it comes out of that that crop of yeah, the high concept Jerry Bruckheimer yeah. kind of movie. Yeah, and it's so it's it's more eighties than it is nineties, and it's got obviously it's got nineties elements in it because it was made in the nineties and the, the fashion and the acting and everything. The 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 quality is a nineties quality film. It could easily be an Arnie film too. Yeah, like I say, easily it would it would be a different film. If it was if it was Arnie, well, instead of Keanu, I think it could easily be but, a Tom Cruise film. There's plenty of running oh, and stunts. That is so easy, so easy. This this could have easily been a Tom Cruise film. I don't think it would have mattered much at all to the film. It might have been better. I don't know. But Keanu's great in this. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm showing my yeah. hand. I really love Keanu in this. Within the first two minutes of him being on screen, less. I'm like, that's the Keanu Reeves that I grew up with. That I want. That's the Keanu Reeves that you want to be in the Matrix, you know. That's the Keanu Reeves that you want to be in John Wick. This is this is it for me, not the Keanu from Point Break. Well, the, I I think that's a fair point. I think this is the this is a very different Keanu to what we've seen. This is really only his second action role. This is a much more yeah. beefed up hero action role than Johnny yeah. Utah was, and he's more cocky and gung-ho than Johnny Utah was. There's none of that insecurity. There's none of that vulnerability. He's just He's the guy who gets it done, you know. And that's that's the difference between having Catherine Bill- Bigelow, like do your movie, and Yonder Bond do your Apparently movie. Apparently, so it's yeah. like, and the dialogue between Keanu and Sandra Bullock is just classically rubbish. I don't believe their chemistry dialogue, and yet you kind of do because Sandra Bullock, right? She sells it because she's cute and she sells whatever, however one D her character is. You know, yeah. it doesn't seem to matter, but. So is Keanu. Keanu's not exactly a nuance. Dude, it's true of all of the characters in this film. They're cardboard cutouts. Yeah. But it's part of what makes the film work so well. Absolutely. Because one of the things that Speed does... It's a, it's a real movie. Like, it's on rails yeah, it's a movie. the whole it's a time. Movie. And if it stopped for too long to give you all of these characters yeah, yeah. background... <laughs> no. and it, Like, no, it's not that movie. It's off. not that movie. It's... It is. That is the thing about this film. It's somebody sat down, the editor even, or, or maybe it was there in the beginning in the script. But it it's a two a two hour movie, not two yeah, and no, two, two hour hours, movie. Yeah. yeah, two hour movie that feels like a ninety minute movie. Yeah, like that's that's impressive. There, the, it, I wouldn't say it's lean, and uh, but it's definitely not fat either. It's chunky. You got these. Oh, chunks, I would say it is but lean. It just I... it takes you through it like. Phew, like fast. It just moves, yeah, the whole time. And and yeah. the other thing is, you know, I'm a big fan of well-structured movies. You, okay, we need to address this. This is a film that was workshopped, rewritten, test screened, fuddled with, and all that. of that. I didn't know any There's of a, that. There is a, a a big portion of it where it shows, I think, and I'll get into that. But whether by accident or whether through some sort of formulaic magic. This is a brilliant film to study if you want to understand three-act structure because yeah, it has yeah. that 
20 25 minute prologue with the lift before yeah. the before it's the great. bus setup comes that's act one once the once the bomb blows up that's the beginning of act two i'll tell you what that is that was exactly my note like I, by the end of that sequence knowing what's about to yeah. come as well i was like i wrote down this is how you do prologue yeah because often prologue you could cut it and go well just start the movie here and arguably you could you could start this in the cafe with him you getting could. a coffee but you yeah. lose so much then. You do. You do. Not least of all, a, a, just a brilliant opening sequence. That whole bit with the lift. Oh, my God. So, it's like a little mini disaster movie, isn't it? It is. It, re- it really is. And the other thing that you lose if you get rid of that prologue piece is what you end up having to do is lots of little exposition yeah. in, in their dialogue, which would slow it down. So that prologue piece allows you to go. I get what the what these two. Yeah, I know who about. Harry I is. I know who Jack is. Yeah. I know who Howard Payne is. Spoiler. Oh my god, <laughs> Harry. We'll get into Harry in a minute. But then you have you know Act Two is sort of sixty percent of the movie, if not more, all on the bus. And once the bus yeah. blows up, then you've got Act Three. Now Act Three is the most troublesome for me. Yeah. But yeah. everything up to that point is so fucking good and yeah yes yeah. you know it's, i saw a, 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 a f- an imdb you know sort of feedback reviewer a normie not a critic um said something like all 90s cheese but in a good way and i sort of oh my god that's that's exactly the note like a fr- uh, the the friend i was watching it with said 90 why is 90 90s cheese so good and anyone trying to do 90s cheese now is so bad. Yeah, but I sort of bristled a little bit at that because it seemed dismissive to me. I get it. Why? I do get it because there is quality yeah. dialogue and stuff in this. But I think, I think I don't even really sort of focus on that now. I look at that as sort of someone holding up a flashcard <laughs> of saying, yeah. this is who Alan Ruck's character is. This is who Sandra Bullock's <laughs> character, right? And I just move yeah. on to... What's the camera doing? What's the editing doing? What's the music doing? Sure, because the sure. feel of this film is so it's so great and <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah, how many times you're not the average you're not the average cinema goer. I'd be very interested to to um, get Tom's review. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, Your we nephew. should have done that actually. I might get him to watch it. Get Tom's review on this or, or because it's like what does somebody with not the same experience that you have of these kind of movies, what do they think of them? It's I I get it. I get you're saying the fa- like it's a fair point. Like it's cheesy, but it's okay. Your ability to move past that, you're seasoned. You just accept it and also love it, and you've experienced it a lot. Like this, this really reminded me of that. What's that film with um Bruce Willis? It's called Die Hard. Bruce Willis, yeah, <laughs> Bruce Willis Die Hard. Is that Christmas? Um, no. Die Hard in a building. <laughs> they call they call they call it under siege in a in a skyscraper. That's what they call under, it. Under siege in a skyscraper. <laughs> Executive decision on land. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Con Air on a boat. What? what? Is that what speed? Con Air what on speed a boat. Two is all right. Con Air on a boat. <laughs> oh, well, we need to talk about speed two at the end. I think. I I got no idea what I'm trying to say now. Uh, oh, the what? So it's Arnie and is it Curtis? Something Curtis? He's a terrorist. Oh, um, what's it called? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, collateral damage. Collateral damage. Is it wrong to say that it feels 
there's a similarity. Like collateral damage would love yeah, to be. Yeah, so I think speed. that's the death knell of this type of movie, isn't it? And it and it came a yes. couple of years too late. Yeah. Right, and that's the that's the point about nineties cheese being okay, and it ha- trying to do it again later on just doesn't work. Yeah. Why doesn't it work anymore? Why do we why do we love it and accept it? in the 90s and then if we try to do that now it doesn't work arguably the fast and furious movies are trying to do it but but they're much more complex <laughs> not a word that you'd normally use with the fast and furious but <laughs> oh they're so much but more in terms complex. of the you know the libera liber what why can't i say labyrinth the labyrinthine mythology behind those characters now is so complex and yeah. speed is simple point it yeah. go point go that's right so you can't have a new fast and the furious movie trying to do this the original, to an extent, yeah. The first film was, to an extent. And yet, they probably wanted to build a franchise. Because everything's now about building franchises, building universes. Everyone wants to be Marvel. Everyone wants to be DC. If they can. Yeah. If you can, it, It's stupid, in a way, to say, when you look at how much money those franchises make, it's stupid to say, no, I'm just going to make a standalone action film without any, any hope of sequels. Yeah. Oh, you got me thinking now, though, like... What was the last time that I saw a really nice, straightforward action film like this? Yeah. I, I and and I, do you know what? I think the answer Pacific, is... Pacific Rim? No way, Maybe? man. No, that's a totally different breed of animal. But the reason that I think we probably don't is because we don't get the the mid-budget movie anymore. You get the low-budget movie. You get the oh, mega-budget movie. You don't tend to get the one in the middle. And this wasn't that expensive of a, of a film. You know, compared to the T2s and such. What's that film with um, Kiefer and the... Oh, Phone Booth, it's called. I was going to say, what's the film with Kiefer and the Phone Booth? Yeah. It's called Phone Booth. I mean, that's that's a good example, actually. Yeah, and that's quite a low-budget movie. But yeah, it's it's containment, isn't it? It's a contained thing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good, actually, that's a good analogy to something like Speed. I suppose that's the modern, more modern-day equivalent of that kind of film. But even that's nearly... That was in the 2000s, nearly 20 it? years old, that film, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the answer is they're just hard to do because we're so much more cynical now. You could still have a bravado action hero and a, and a slightly timid action heroine, you know, who fall in love over the course of 90 minutes in the 90s. But the criticism would be... The criticism is what studios are afraid of. The criticism of that dynamic would be, I don't think you can get away with it nowadays. Could you help me understand why did I get such a strong T2 vibe? Good question. I think I have an answer. There is a... But the the score as well, and there doesn't seem to be any link. I looked up the guy who composed it. Okay, so Mark Mancina, who did the score for this, quite an iconic score, I have to say, for, for, for sort of 90s action. I remember it playing at the Oscars that year, and everyone you know, recognized it as soon as it started playing. And he also did Bad Boys, which is very similar to yeah. school to this, and Twister. So he had a good time in the 90s. And it does have that kind of metallic pounding thing that Brad Fidel's T2 score yeah. does. The other thing, yeah. though, that I think makes it feel like it's in the same universe as something like T2. And I would also throw in Bad Boys. Oh, <laughs> To talk about in the same universe as T2, it's Miles Dyson. Well, That's there's amazing. that, but um, <laughs> I think between this and Bad Boys and uh, Joel Schumacher's Falling Down, there yeah, is okay. a style of sort of sunset 90s LA. You're this right. is what LA looked like in the 90s. That's the reason. And I think that all changed around 2000 with like films like Mulholland Drive that showed LA as having 
the a seedy underside and it's about darkness and broken dreams whereas in yeah. in this period of the 90s you know the pre oj la yeah. it it was like uh you know cosmopolitan hot sweaty slightly violent you know but cool all about beats and yeah. sunsets and that's what this feels like on joe morton who played miles bennett dyson that is of course uh, the reason that they couldn't send him in in place of uh harry and jack is because he doesn't know how long he can hold this yeah, yeah. he wouldn't be able to hold the trigger <laughs> Hold it. <laughs> <laughs> Is this our version of doing ASMR for our... For yeah, our... T2 ASMR, T- sure. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, sorry, anyone who finds that <laughs> those noises really distracting and gross. But, okay, so look, as far as having the cinematographer from, from Die Hard at the helm... It's it's appropriating the same kind of slick sweeping camera and yeah. tight editing yeah. and also good geography. Whenever you go through that building at the beginning, let's yeah. say, we know the full layout of where it's everyone awesome. is in that building awesome. in the prologue. And then, you know, once you get on the bus, you've got the swooping helicopter shots of the freeway, so you know yeah. what's coming, you know what's happening. So good geography is key to that as well. Yeah. Um but going back to the characters being sort of two D in a really surface level way, it does fill in the gaps between the, the set pieces with some analysis, albeit on a surface level, of the hostage guilt. Okay. So Annie being really glad that she's alive instead of Beth Grant, when Beth Grant gets blown off the stage. The psycho teacher from Donnie Darko. Yeah. Um, and then also the male passengers... Gigantor <laughs> and <laughs> and Cameron from Ferris Bueller, yeah, uh, arguing over who is more expendable. Yeah, yeah, and it does root the film in an emotional reality. And it, I think, what's really clever is because we're almost always on that bus. It actually makes the stakes personal because no matter who you are, there is just about someone on that bus that most audience members will relate to in some way. Mm-hmm. Now you're lucky if it's Keanu Reeves. More so, I would probably say Cameron from Ferris Bueller in my case. Yeah, but um, it does make it it personal. So actually, you have a stake. You have a personal stake yeah. in whatever happens to the people on that bus. Yeah, just being like an, a tourist in LA. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I, I, and most of the world watching this would be tourists in LA, and just it's quite a nice thing to like as an international movie to say I'm a tourist in LA, and we as audience members are usually going to be tourists in LA. Um, but even Americans visiting LA would often be tourists. Like LA is not the entirety of America, and um, and yeah, you get all these archetypes. You get all these people, people from different walks of life. You get a criminal. You get an old granny. You get people from different communities. A real cross section of uh, community. Yeah, different, yeah, different cultures as well. Yeah. Though you've got Latin America. Yeah, yeah. African American. Yeah, yeah, and and that is LA. Yeah. LA is that cosmopolitan and on a bus you'd get all that it's, it's one of the things I think you're right I didn't pick up on it at all but I believe that is one of the things that makes the film so relatable so this is uh, one of the crucial components that Joss Whedon added to the, the script um, when Graham Yost saw the finished film he said you know that's that's my movie but that's Joss Whedon's dialogue and uh, right. <clears throat> the Alan Ruck character yeah. the annoying tourist yeah. was originally going to be an abrasive lawyer and he was going to be 
the character on the bus. Dislikable. Yeah. Yes. The guy who fucks everything up all the time. Yeah. And he got killed in the original script. Yeah. Well, you. And Joss Whedon's approach was, well, let's make him more likable, but still kill him because then it adds some tragedy to the film, which is a very Joss Whedon thing to do. Kill the likable guy. Yeah. Coulson. But uh, the studio said, no, I like I like the change in the character, but then let's keep him anyway. Like, let's have him learn whatever he learns over the course of the film. Instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, in that, in that, in understanding that that's what Joss Whedon brought to the script, and then also I just said about having those dynamics between those characters play out about, you know, why shouldn't I get off the bus first just because yeah. I don't have kids in it? It's not a massive leap to fast forward 15, 16 years to the dynamic between the Avengers all arguing. Not and at you all. can see yeah. you can see like that's the evolution of right. of what he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's such a mind blower for me to know that Josh Whedon had a hand in this script. And when you say that like principally he was in charge of dialogue, in terms of changes to dialogue, that's what makes the like I kept saying to the person I was watching this, why does that work? That's a crappy line, but it works. And I'm like, I don't think Keanu's necessarily selling it better than he normally would. Or, I mean, he is. He's doing fine. Sandra Bullock, too. She's got some really cheesy lines. And it's like, they're all right. Yeah, she's so, she, well, in Sandra Bullock's case, I think it's because she's just so charming. Yeah, she's adorable. How can you but, not like her? But you know? I was like, this is not believable, but but it, they're selling it. It works. Well, it's not realistic. But it's just about believable. That's the better way of putting it. Exactly. It's not realistic. It's just about believable. Like, I don't believe that she still manages to flirt with him. Like, that's the thing that's so weird is like in this situation. <laughs> and she even had this, she has a line of dialogue that speaks to it later on. But it's that it's Buffy. There's a lot of Buffy dialogue in this. And, I, and I'm Fine. not a, as much as I am a Joss Whedon fan. I'm not a massive Buffy fan. Mm-hmm. I watched enough of it to get why it was such a big phenomenon. Um, but really, I'm a Joss Whedon fan because of Avengers, but also Firefly. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's the main reason. Uh, because, again, if Firefly is good for anything, it's an exercise in character dialogue, both character development, having really rich characters, but also very economical dialogue that only that character could say. And it doesn't, it feels like the character speaking, not the writer speaking through the characters, which is, that's how, that's how you do it. It's how you, you write that kind of dialogue. And he does that brilliantly. Yeah. He, he always has. Um, and that's an element of this film that I just, it, it says it all to me of like, that's one of the main reasons why I like this film. Even the punchiest of lines, which we'll come to, there's so many lines in this that now make sense as maybe, maybe a Joss Whedon line, maybe not. You know, well, it might have been there in the original script. Go on then. No, I mean, we'll come to them because I really want, there's just, I just want to go through. There's like okay. beats throughout the whole film. I think if we do it in order, we won't get ourselves lost. Well, we have to talk yeah. about the, the, the setup, you know, the very basic setup that there's a bomb on a bus. The bomb yeah. is triggered once it goes above 50. Once it drops back below 50, the bus will explode. You yeah. can't take any hostages off the bus or the bus will explode. Yeah. It's a, a just a brilliant concept, rife with suspense. And you know that that concept is brilliant when you can have a shot of just a needle on a speedometer. Yeah. At literally it's all the jeopardy. That's it. All the jeopardy with one shot. <laughs> a straight line is creating tension. That is brilliant. It's crazy. It is. And they fall really back is. on that a lot, you know. Yeah. So, and something else I want to point out that is set up right at the beginning. 
the film has a, 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 I don't know, subtext that I think people are trying to deal with in the 90s. And that is some kind of, are we going to be okay with this new, with all, with new technologies? Like the, 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 the mobile phone was quite new still. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're using that in the film, like to affect like radio frequencies, radio technologies. We're learning about these things. The public is anyway. Whereas usually you had to have millions to be able to use any of this stuff. You know, the TV broadcast, the screen, yeah, the t- all think, this stuff. I think the 24 yeah. hour news cycle is a big part of it as well. Yeah, as well. And so that's just, a, that's throughout. And it's, it's kind of, that's another part that I think gives it the Terminator vibe for me. It's that, it's a tech noir mm. vibe without it being technology is not necessarily conscious. But the way that Dennis Hopper uses it is so Machiavellian. It's like, here's these innocent things that we use every day the bus, the watch, the cell phone. The watch, yeah. And I'm going to turn them around as to make them killing machines. And he even has a line later on, which is like, the purpose of these things, once they've been constructed, is to explode. And he's talking he's talking about himself. He is an explosive and volatile um, psychopath. And with the first second you see him, he turns around. He's very, you know, not very skillfully, but skillfully pretending to be a maintenance guy in this elevator shaft. And he just fucking stabs the guy in the ear, in the ear, <laughs> and it's like it's just this. It's 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 the, it's that you know when it's like there are all these classic tropes. It's like you you get used to seeing people dying in certain ways. So it's a gut stab or a heart stab. Oh, all right, no, right in the ear. Like it's just this kind of very visceral feeling of it. It's got that oh fuck, like it makes you go oh fuck, you know, and it's that like I you cannot trust that this guy won't explode like that straight away you can't and that adds jeopardy to the film and i think dennis hopper sells it admittedly on this viewing because i know every beat and i know what's coming i i'm not as scared by him but it still scared me it was a good yeah it was a good role for him at the time um i think now we've had so many of those i am a crazy psycho bummer kind of guy that that is the thing that really sticks out as you wouldn't do it like that anymore no it, that's a very nineties bad can guy. Still, Dennis Hopper can still do it. Yeah, yeah, he's Nick fun. Cage, sure. I don't. Nick Cage, on the other hand, it would have already been. I think. I mean, that's who I would cast top. if I was making a speed like film today. Nick Cage would be you, my mad bomber. You have to, you have to, because Nick Cage could still sell it now. Yeah. But back then, I think it would have been too much. I think he would have ruined it. Yeah. Well, he wasn't. It wasn't that Nick Cage back then either, was he? He was. Still... Yeah. He also wasn't old enough to sell that retired cop thing Dennis Hopper does it just fine and the other the other line that's really early in the film that I like is when Harry says fuck you to um Dennis Hopper's yeah hold on. what's Dennis Howard, Howard his name. Payne. so it's Harry and Howard so Dennis Hopper character says oh in 200 years we've gone from <laughs> I regret but I have one life to give for my country to fuck you yeah. and it it's a I don't know what he's quoting even. I didn't bother to look it up. I regret, but I have one life to give for my country. Do you know what that's from? That sounds like a Civil War thing yeah. or something like that. There you go. It's some kind of, of American American trope, like I am hardcore patriot, you know. And he's he's holding hostage. He's like, that's what's brilliant, I guess, for the American audience anyway. He's literally holding hostage America. He's like, he's holding, you know, and Jeff Bridges, like... Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, sorry. Dumber. No, or dumb. Which one is he? Who can say? Yeah. Who can say? 
I, I think he's dumb. I definitely think Jim Carrey's dumber. <laughs> I think he was Harry in Dumb and Dumber as well, wasn't he? He was. No, but I think there's an interesting thing in what you're saying of like, uh, if Jack Traven is is modern man, yeah. Howard Payne is the the forgotten generation. He's like a Vietnam vet kind of generation, isn't he? Yeah. Of like, I gave everything to my country. Yeah. And you you left me behind. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt America. I'm gonna hurt yeah. you where you work, where yeah. you commute. You know, like it, he's a genuine terrorist. Like, right? Really? He's he's, 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 a, he's a domestic terrorist for sure. Really? He's using violence for political. Games. Yeah, and Sandra Bullock's got that line like, "So what do we do to this guy? Do we bomb his country or something?" And it's like it's really like pretty on the nose. Yeah, you could have that line in a, in a film nowadays, I guess, but it's still a little bit like eh, I don't know really if that's okay anymore. Um, but back then it was still a concern. But interesting to see how like a member of the American public could actually understand that like yeah, we must have pissed this person off somehow. Yeah, and then Keanu's retort is basically like. Nah, just a psycho. <laughs> like, yeah. like he he just he's just angry and is just a psycho. And it's like, but he isn't. That's the that is the point. I mean, we don't really get to understand why Howard Payne is doing this. They don't bother explaining it, but you can tell. Like, maybe he's deaf in one ear because he's holding the phone to the other ear. He definitely can't hold the phone with his other hand that's been mangled. They they make that a bit of a feature. Well, it's when they were looking at cops, when Harry was looking at cops, I got the impression yeah. he was a lifer on the bomb squad or something like that. Yeah. And he was retired early without his retirement fund. He was let go f- probably because of his psychological profile. Yeah, and he got that fucking watch and that's it, you know, which he uses exactly. for the bomb. I, I want to come back to Dennis Quaid's... Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, there you go. Well, I'm doing it now. That's your Jeff Daniels. No, I want to talk about Dennis Quaid in Freaked again. No, I want to yeah. come back to Dennis Hopper in a bit. So, look, the prologue with the lift is amazing. All of the setup with the bus is amazing. There is obviously one sequence that this film is famous for, and absolutely justifiably so. It is the gap in the freeway sequence. Right, yeah. That is the point that the film should jump the shark. That is the point where you go, bullshit! Yeah. Because there's no way... There's no. no fucking way. No, it would make a nosedive. And that, nosedive. that is why that sequence is a masterpiece of editing. Because every time it comes, it's you know, we're ramping up, no pun intended, yeah. to that sequence. I'm thinking, oh, it's going to look dog shit, isn't it? It's going to look dog shit. And every single time, it convinces me. It's absolutely yeah. masterclass in editing that. It doesn't look bad, I agree. And every t- single time I see it, I've had the whole thing spoiled for me because I ended up I ended up watching a Mythbusters episode where they tested it. I think the only way you make that work is you have to have a 45-degree ramp. No, sure. The bus has to be going at like 150 miles an yeah. hour, which it can barely make 70. And I think you need to have like a rocket on it as well. It doesn't. No, Just, no, no. It's from, the only way you make it work. But that's what I'm saying. From a point of yeah. view of physics, it doesn't make sense. It and can't. so for the film to, to, to still to convince you... Yeah, they sell it. Yeah, it's brilliant, um, and it it's still a really tense, exciting sequence. You know, just the simple shot of as they're coming up on the final approach, the police escort just peels away onto the off ramp. Yeah, and it's that it's a visual cue of yeah, like that's quite sweet. You're yeah. on your own now, boys. Like you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. very very nice. Even just a little look from Mars Dyson going like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's like, just. Drifting away. Yeah, he's like, like may never see you again, Jack. On, like, bye. But yeah, so I think that sequence alone 
solidifies Speed's place in the annals of action cinema history. If nothing else about the film worked, that sequence is still a classic set piece. A big Joe classics. I just want to pull out because this is a cla- this is definitely a classic film. I I called T two a masterpiece. I called it a classic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a classic. Arguably not a masterpiece in some people's esteem, but definitely in mine. I can't go as far as calling this a masterpiece, but it's certainly an exemplar. It's certainly a film to be held up as as an example of how to, how to do it, how to do action movies at least. Anyway, it seems to be one of our. It's going to be if it hasn't already been established. One of our tropes is this is a movie movie. Yeah, like this is really a movie, and I don't know if that's very describing anything to anybody. But this is a you know a popcorn movie. This the char- the characters are the cardboard cuts that you see in the cinema before you go into the movie. That and it's exciting in that respect because it's saying here are our players. We can make them do anything that we want to do, and we can make buses jump gaps, and that's okay. And they can say lines like pop quiz hot shot and they can shoot hostages. That's okay. And and it just makes you go. It really says this is fun. We're going to take get this really tense situation. This, we're going to and we're going to put you on a roller coaster. Trust us. It's crazy and it's going to work. And it does. That's that's why I really, really love this film, because that is for me, the ornithology brand, this kind of film. Yeah, I think on your point about it not being a masterpiece, I agree. Uh, it's not a five-star film uh, in terms of it doesn't really hold together and we need to talk about the third act shortly but that's the difference between this and t2 is that if you were if you were talking about the hundred most significant films in cinema t2 would have a shot at being on the list yeah if for no other reason than the technology and how it pushed cgi forward Um, but if you were talking about the hundred most significant action films I think this would be on the list. I think this is yes. right in the heart of the 90s, um, kind of towards the end of doing a film like this completely practically, which it is. Yes. With, with the yeah. exception of a couple of green screen shots, this is a 100% practical shot. Which uh, I didn't notice. Pra- well, I didn't really notice. So it still has a, it's It's not a masterpiece, but it still has a, a claim to the title classic, in my opinion. Yeah, great, and that is what definitely classic. Genre, yeah, yeah, and and as we're talking about it, I'm realizing how classic it is. Everybody knows pop quiz hot shot, uh, shoot the hostage, maybe not so much. Relationships formed under intense experiences, you're destined to fail. I think that's that's kind of up there as well. Yeah, all these the, these things. But the iconography of the film, yeah. apart from the the concept, everybody knows yeah. the bus that couldn't yeah, slow yeah. down. The iconography of the film is in the visuals. So it's it's the image yeah. of, I'm not going to lie, the image of Keanu Reeves running towards or away from the yeah. burning bus. Um, him jumping from the car onto the bus and his legs clipping the highway. Yeah. Classic shot. And obviously yeah. the bus jumping the, the gap and also the bus exploding yeah. as it drives into a plane, you know, at the sort yeah. of the climax of that act. Right. That's all embedded in mainstream viewer memory and it's it has survived its generation as well so i think i Agreed. think tom's generation so for those who don't know tom is my 12 year old nephew will have a familiarity with speed because it has existed in pop culture for the 25 years since it came out let's go through some beats of the film i'm just going to pull out some some key scenes okay. and let's just make sure we we don't miss anything because there's some such juicy little key moments i want to go through them before we get into staples and all that and how did uh, 
uh, Howard Payne, Dennis Hopper survived the first bomb? What's your theory? Well, what happened? There? I think he, how the what I the think fuck? he had the, the <laughs> I think he had the doorway rigged. I think it was part of his escape plan was to make so it so exploded exploded outward, not at yeah. him. Okay, done. It's always been a pet peeve of mine, like this of the, of this film. It's like how the fuck did he get? That makes sense. It's a directed explosion away from. Yeah, him. I think it was part of his original yeah. escape plan, but he just had to yeah. use it for a different means. That's all. Yeah, fake his own death yeah. as well. Exactly. And okay, cool. But you know. It does still raise questions. It's like they assume he's dead. It's like yeah. body parts. Yeah, what, yeah, exactly. Do we look for him? They did they look for him. Nothing. So it's a bit it's a bit of a hole. Yeah. But again, this movie moves so fast, it's like it doesn't yeah. matter. Don't, don't stop and think about that. We've got some more things yeah. blowing up now. But which is fine in this kind of movie. I That's totally agree. Point. That's what I want from this kind of film. Yeah, don't worry that the bus couldn't actually make it. It's fun, isn't it? Jump on the roller coaster and enjoy the fact that you're you know, flying through the mouth of a monster. That's what roller coasters are supposed to do. The phone ringing straight away after that, the first bus blows up. Yeah. But both, both those things. Yeah. The bus blowing up. What it's a like, great shot. Like following Keanu Reeves out of the coffee shop with this, with this one, and the, the bus drives past his mates yeah. driving it. It drives out of shot. We come around Keanu Reeves. He's just doing nothing. And in the background, in the background, the bus blows up. And we're still following Keanu as he's running towards it's a it. Real, it's a real... That's Howard Payne's fuck you. Oh, you thought you could beat me? Uh, no, 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 no. This is what I'm going to do. Here you go. Bang. It's like it's not like, oh, this is tense and maybe... You know, you ever have that feeling where you kind of want the bad guy to get away with it just so you see what happens? Do you ever have that? When <laughs> sure. Yeah. In a movie, it's like, like, I'm going to blow up the whole world. It's like, yeah, I kind of want to see Go on that. then, Thanos. Like, I just kind of want to see it. Yeah, exactly. That, for me, sets up Jeopardy that like I think some films miss on. It's like, let's just show what the bad guy can do. Yeah. So that you are scared. You know he, he will do it. Like, and he just fucking... I don't know how many people on that bus. He just kills them. Well, there was only one. On that, that, it was just the driver. Was On that bus? Yeah. Oh, I was, just... I didn't notice that. It was the beginning of his shift. He, oh, he was stopping to get a coffee that. before he started his shift. Yeah, so it was. Oh, I, I sorry, I missed that. Okay, but I think fine. no, I think that's good as well because it makes it personal for Jack. It's like <clears throat> I'm not going to kill a bunch of randos. I'm going to kill your friend that you talk to every day, and now you're a part of my game. You're the target of my aggression. I wanted to get yeah. back at the state. Now I want to get you back too. You fucker. Yeah. When the phone rang, but I thought it's a paranoid film. Is that true to say that it could be classed as a, there's a bit of a paranoia thing? I guess the only, the only, you know, when I think of paranoia, the only thing that applies to this film would be, again, preying on the audience's sense yes. of domestic yep. terrorism can get you anywhere. It can get you yeah. in a lift yeah. where you work. Yeah, you don't, it can you don't get have you... to have bombed someone's country for them to be stuff. Exactly. It could be somebody from our own police force that would do it. Yeah. yeah. Keanu almost getting on the bus the first time. Yeah, like sure. running for the bus, smashing the window. That's brilliant, you know. Like, come on, you know. Boys really got a hard on for this bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And then the, stealing the guy's car, right? Hey, man, it's not a stolen car. It is now. <laughs> yeah, like brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> um, using that car as well, secret, and then it's ramping up the speed. Yeah, yeah? it's like because the bus is not quite on the freeway there's a bit of traffic before it starts flowing it hasn't got up to 50 yet the bomb's not armed yet and he's trying to get there he almost gets there before the bomb is armed misses it the bomb is armed so now he's in this situation the bomb's armed he has to tell them there's a bomb on the bus 
but don't slow down. <laughs> like the first thing you want to do when you have a note slapped on your windscreen that there's a bomb on the bus, the first thing you want to do is, oh, better stop the bus. Yeah. Nope. And that's another thing is, you know, no matter how many, I don't, I don't know. I've seen this film that many times. This was maybe the yeah. the fifth or sixth time I've seen it yeah, over the years. Yeah, it's about the same for me. Yeah. And I know, like you said, I know the beats. I know what's coming next in the Doctor Dot. Yeah. I can't remember how they do it. Exactly. And when exactly. he's like in the yeah. car in front of the bus, I'm like, how are you going to get this guy to keep it above 50? Yeah. And it stretches credibility, but just, just keeps it from snapping. You go, okay, yeah, that was actually really well done. And it's yeah. genuinely tense every time. That's the thing. Yeah, it is. And that's one of the things that gets pushing the star rating up because the film says, I want to do this for you. And then it just does it for you. That's it. Yeah. Ultimately, all our, all our critique, all our whatever we're doing doesn't matter to me because it says that's why we love films because we want a film to say, hey, do you want to experience this? And we're like, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm up for that. And you go and you experience it. Do you want to feel something? Like, that's it. If you want to go to a film and have a good, hard think afterwards, speed eight yeah. your film. But if you <laughs> want to, if you want to feel something and then come out of the film feeling like you just had three coffees and you're dying for a cigarette, yes. speaking personally, speed, yeah. speed is that movie. Definitely. He gets on the bus. Okay. I, I, can't, I can't even remember how. It doesn't matter. Right. Well, he jumps on through the doorway, doesn't he? Yeah, he opens the doorway and jumps on from the car. Did Keanu do that stunt? He, I know that comes in. He stunt. did. Did. So that's another thing is that this film really, not all the time, I, I don't care anymore about watching making ofs. This film really made me want to watch a making of afterwards, yeah. but so, I watched it too late. So this is a good precursor to the John Wick films. Because right for, for Keanu and what he in does. In terms of yeah. his training. Well, and The Matrix yeah. to an extent, I suppose, as well. But... um the stunt coordinator for this film said it was the, the hardest thing that she had ever worked on, but also right. gave Keanu props because 90% of what you see him do in the film, he did himself. Awesome. So that's a tick later on for the staples. Yeah. He gets on the, he gets on the bus. What I like, and you referred to it earlier with these characters is that it's a, it's some, it's a guy, Latin, Latino guy. Who's just like, he, he thinks thinking Jack's that, coming for him. Yeah. He thinks Jack's on the bus. For I him, love that scene. And he pulls, it's good. He pulls out a gun. And, and the thing I love about it is that the Jack character, Keanu, he just has this really cool voice of reason, yeah. you know? And we see... I'm not here for you. I'm sure whatever you did, you're very sorry. Yeah, it doesn't matter, man. Like, I'm, yeah, it's brilliant. And again, punchy to the point, not over... It's not this... We don't have this big tension between him. It's like, he has to get through it quickly. So he's going to say everything right that he needs to say. And that's what makes the Jack character so heroic, so wonderful. Like, it's hard not to have a crush on this guy because he knows what to do. And Sandra Bullock actually says exactly what I'm feeling most of the film or what we should all be feeling for the Jack character later on. He he has a meltdown. Like when Harry, he finds out that Harry blew up mm -hmm. and this. And he's smashing shit and he's like all upset. And, and Sandra Bullock just like grabs him and just like, please, please just like keep it together. Stay with me. I need you right now. I can't do this without yeah. you. None of us can do this without yeah. him. Like he's the guy, he's got the skills. No one else does. He's the only one who can do this. That's the thing. I, that's the reason why I like Keanu in this so much is I believe it. Well, I think there's another component to that that I really like. And it goes back to uh, Joe Morton, who was Miles Dyson in T2. So he's the SWAT commander. Uh, he's Jack's 
team leader, essentially, Jack and Harry's. And in the opening scene at the beginning, there's a sort of thing that's set up that Jack is the wild and crazy guy. And Mac, the Joe Morton character, is going to sort of say, you know, you think you've got it all covered? Go for it, hot shot. But, you know, yeah. when you get yourself killed, know that you've broken protocol. That's sort of his deal. When he gets involved yeah. in the bus thing, yeah. Mac isn't your stereotypical shouty cop captain. He's yeah. not the yeah, guy yeah. from Last like, Action like in Last yeah, Action He's not Hero. that guy. Yeah, yeah. He has his yeah. guy's backs and he supports and encourages him. And it's not, yeah. it also doesn't tread over the line going in the other direction of like, God damn it, Jack, you're the best we've got. You know, it's, it's not yeah. that. It's, he feels more like a real character. And it's nice that Jack yes. has a skill set, but he also has the support from his captains. Like, I know you're going to figure this out because you think outside the box. It's an unnecessary level of jeopardy. It's already yeah. tense. It's already bad. Why not have people on his side? And that's the same point with the hostages. Let's not, if hostages are upset or confusing the issue or complicating it, fine. But have that be a moment. Don't make it a whole scene. And that's the thing. They don't make whole scenes out of these, out of each escalation. It's an escalation. And now we're on to the next thing. I want to the next thing. And the driver gets shot. I want yeah. to the next thing. That's that's why it moves along so nicely, and each moment's believable because the speed at which the film has to move because of the nature of the situation means that everybody does realistically get on board with the next thing. Yeah, stay on or get off. Stay on or get off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, get off, and it feels like that every time the the film is making a turn. It feels, oh God, I'm so pun heavy with my language at the moment. Every time the film is making a turn, it does feel like stay on or get off. It's like, oh, you don't know. Even even seeing it all these times. And that's why it just tiptoes into like, maybe a masterpiece. It's not. But maybe I'd like it. I would like it to be. It's certainly a master, a masterful version of this type of film. Harry on the phone talking to Keanu about the bomb. Mm -hmm. Fuck me! And the guy from Ferris Bueller saying, oh, Don. <laughs> like, oh, so that, I like that's a that lull moment for sure. It is it's, it's quite a few. Cans. Cans. It was full of cans. Amazing. No baby. No baby it's, full of cans. Again, just yeah. an amazing moment. A heart in the mouth moment. And yeah. that yeah. is key to Sandra Bullock's quality in this film. Yeah. Is, again, yeah. even knowing when, you, when she hits the, the walker, the baby walker, that it's full of cans. The way the sound drops out, you see this thing flying through the air, it's her reaction. It still gives you that heart-in-the-mouth moment. And she's genuinely, she believes she's just killed a baby. And you can see it on her face. It's really, really good moment for her. I agree. It, it helps round her out more. It helps us understand her emotional range as well. It's good. I would also, but Keanu, like, empathizing with her, like, he's really, like, no, it's fine. It's like, he, he really... Like just seeing the nuance in in his performance in that little, just that little moment, it's like it's hard to say he can't act. Like I think he's he's really good in this. Yeah, rescuing the driver, like getting the getting the shot driver out sure. of the bus, I think was a really important move. Jeopardy, moving on quickly. We sort that problem onto the next problem, and the problems don't accumulate. Well, also that leads into you know the the SWAT team don't know at that point that they are not supposed to be getting the hostages off the bus or Dennis Hopper will blow it up. Yeah, yeah, so one yeah. of the SWAT team says to Beth Grant, give me your hand, give me your hand. And yeah, she's freaking annoying. out. Yeah. And so Dennis Hopper blows her up. That's the mm. point that we find out, holy fuck, this whole 
bus is rigged. Like there could be fifty explosions. Different explosives, maybe. Exactly. That's really, really, and it's never, it's never dwelt on. It's just like we're fucked, man. We're really fucked here. We've got no idea how many booby (laughs) traps there are on this bus. Yeah, yeah. It's It's really totally boobied with traps. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's boobied with traps. That's really good. He's the arsehole. I really like that moment. He's the arsehole. Yeah, not us here. Yeah, you know? that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. We, well, I don't know the full line, but when he's saying that, because c- she's feeling guilty after that, yeah, and Sandra Bullock, and it, and it's 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 so easy for everyone to start blaming each other because you can't get to the guy who's really the problem. And Keanu having that focus again, it's like, oh yeah, he's got that perspective. I love it. I laugh every time I've seen it, and I, it's a little tiny thing, but I just I love it when he does it. When Keanu negotiates with uh, Dennis Hopper, say, look, I need to speak to my people. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a bit, it feels a bit superfluous, but it's still fucking cool. I don't know why. It just, the way Keanu just like steps off the bus, steps onto a car, and he's just on the edge of the car. Like, yeah. Chatting. <laughs> chatting to his, like, this is how I chat most days. I <laughs> just like, it was so Almost casual and cool. Yeah. 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 It was, it was really cool the way he just sort of. Okay. Now, hang on. We're at the airport now. Have you got any points to make before the bus explodes? No, just uh, the fact, the way that Mac keeps saying, don't get dead. That was my last, before, don't get dead. I, I, like I really like Joe Morton in this. I really like Joe Morton yeah. in everything, to be fair. but um, Yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. So the the sort of the action climax for me, the most sort of satisfying payoff in the film is the double whammy of Keanu and Sandy Bullocks being the last two people off the bus. <laughs> sliding down the runway on that that ramp it's so cool it's so super it's a great shot and then the yeah. bus is hurtling towards a, a, a plane that's being moved down one of the runways are there passengers on the plane <laughs> no no because it's being towed although i did feel for the guy driving the tow truck yeah he really legs it doesn't he? <laughs> um yeah. and then just as the bus is about to collide with the plane it drops below 50 and it explodes and we get we get what we really wanted which was an explosion far bigger than we thought we were going to get. And it's yeah. really, really satisfying. It is. Now, this is the point where arguably the film does jump the shark. Because everything after that, trying to trap Hopper when they are delivering his money to him, the film kind of breaks its own rules of logic. Because. We have seen in Howard Payne's house, he's got monitors all over the place. So he's got, we find out later, he's got a camera on the bus and he's watching yeah. a live feed of the, of yeah, the people the on the bus. Loop. But yeah. they've looped that, that's fine. And they've looped it externally as well. So it doesn't matter if it wasn't coming from the bus's feed, that no. can stop and he'll still see people on the bus. Yeah. However, on one of the other screens earlier on in the film, I don't know if you spotted this, he's also got a readout of the speed the bus is going. Uh, and it says 57, 56, 57, 50, whatever. Yeah. Once the bus has exploded, that would be dead. That feed would be gone. You're right. And it's not f- for another half an hour, hour of, of the film's internal clock yeah. that he spots that the feed is loop, that he figures out that the bus is no longer yeah. running. That doesn't make sense. And the film right. has, it, it's it's broken its own rules there a little bit. You're right. And yeah. from that point on, when he has retrieved the money through a hole in the road, he's got Annie, he's taking her onto the, the subway, he's got a new hostage. It also changes Howard Payne's character. The the, yes, the writing in that 
final stretch is much glibber and yeah. Hopper in particular turns full crazy bad guy. Like yeah. randomly shooting people, yeah. snarling, laughing. Yeah. He's gone full psycho at that point. And I think yeah, he doesn't have his chess moves, you know. He doesn't seem to have any more of those. Arguably the the money in the bin, the hole in the ground. I thought that's brilliant. It's cool. Like, yeah. But that was still part of his plan. It wasn't a secondary, tertiary, quaternary move, you know. It was he's not ten steps ahead of anybody at this point anymore. So I think I think that that final it's not even third, it's just the the, the third act, the, the you know, the very final climax of the film. It does smack of a rewrite. Um and in indeed yeah. apparently during test screenings, because the script had originally ended at the airport. Um right. but they knew that wasn't how the film's gonna end. So all they had was storyboards for that final sequence at the yeah. test screenings and the audience lapped it up. And so the studio actually, because the film had used up all of its budget, they'd run out mm. of money. And so that's why they had this test screening of like, do we need another 15, 20 minutes on this movie or can yeah. we do something, you know, cheaper? Yeah. The audience lapped it up so much that the studio went, you know what? Here's a few extra million. Let's finish this film. Let's give I them what they want. More. I did want more. So this is really important because I think that last act is, by far the weakest thing in the film. It turns into a different movie. Yeah. It's it goes not, ridiculous. It's not yeah. as satisfying as everything that came before. And yet, for some reason, it doesn't bring the film down. It doesn't lose yeah. a star for that. Because yeah. I've been so completely satisfied yeah. by the first hour and a half, hour and 45 of yeah. this movie. And I still get what I really want at the end of the film, which is the train comes off the rails, it smashes to pieces, it flies, you know, onto yeah. the street of, of LA and they survive, right? The bad guy's dead. Keanu and Sandra Bullock are together. His head comes off. Like, he, <laughs> he's definitely Even dead. that, even that is a terrible lie. Yeah, well, I'm taller. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And that's... Really, really bad. That's a bad Joss Whedon line, you know? That's it like... It is a bad the line. It is. Uh, I think is. I think the line in the first X Men film that he was credited with was, "Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing as everything else, right?" Oh, right. Which is the, yeah. the shit one liner in yeah. in X Men. So all I'm trying to say is, I, I do think there's problems in that third act. I still think there's lots of excitement to be had in it, and ultimately, yeah. it's still satisfying. But what a credit to the filmmaking finesse of everything up to that point that it can't. It can't it ruin can't the fail. film for me, yeah. I agree. And I think there's an element that we've talked about lots, and at least privately, if not on this podcast. It's that thing of when a script takes a concept and says, right, let's just push it further. And that's one of the reasons why I think it gets away with it. Because it's saying, we've got all this set up. Let's see how nuts we can go with it. Now, it's really lazy that it's like, should we do? Should we jump a train now? Yeah. We jumped a bus, let's jump a train. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense either. If you can speed the train up, surely you can also power it down <laughs> it's like you know fair point it's like and so there's lots of things that's like oh let's speed it up to make the jump and where is the jump i didn't get it and it's like i'm gonna jump oh, he just, out just, of the sub no he just jumps the tracks because he's going too fast around a curve so it jumps the tracks but anyway they fucking pummel their way through the fucking street it's insane like and again it's it's the same as the bus jump but and it's another level and I don't mind it. If you want, you what you get in the last half hour is a mini sequel. Yeah. Of like 
okay, now it's Keanu and Sandra Bullock on a train instead of on a bus. And it's and it's like, that's okay. And I think it kind of works. Extend it any more than you than you do. It's it's a terrible sequel. Yeah, and I think again, yeah. the the reason that it still works is there's there's genuine emotion from both of those actors, Bullock and, oh and Reed. Oh my god. Like when Sandra Bullock is like still chained to the And she's saying to the thing. You've got to go, like you know, yeah, she yeah. knows she's going to die. It's a good moment. And when he rages out again and he's just trying to kick the fuck out of that pole, like, yeah, yeah, they're really good. They're really, really good together. Here's here's a thing that I think is what's why it works. Normally, when characters are supposed to be having a moment, the action kind of fades, the noises fade, and you get some close-up shots of their faces and the dialogue becomes really crisp. Uh-huh. You didn't really get that in this. I mean, sometimes between Sandra Bullock and Keanu. But those close-up face shots of like, here we go, we're going to show emotion now, doesn't happen that much. It just carries on. They say their dialogue. The camera works pretty much the same. It's it's mid-shots, if not wides. And you don't really get lots of those close-up, I'm showing the actor's face in emotion shots, which is actually to its credit because it just keeps things moving along. It's really good. There's a few lines that I just wanted to mention before we move into anything mm-hmm. else. Did you have any luck with the bomb when he first goes under? He, uh, Keanu just Sandra Bullock says, "Did you have any luck with the bomb?" Keanu says, "Yeah, didn't go off." I like it because that's his priority. Doesn't care all these other little things. And then um, he's like, "Oh yeah, we're running out of gas" because he punctures the gas thing to try and yeah. keep holding himself up with it with a screwdriver. And, yeah, and Sandra Bullock says, "What? You thought you needed another <laughs> challenge or something?" Which like, is quite like meta, that. you know. It's like saying, "It is. Come on, we've had enough stakes. Stop increasing the stakes it, now." And and it. it Speaks to us too. We're feeling a bit of that by this yeah, stage as well. Action fatigue, and just it gets me every time. And, and I think it's it's a face that only um, Jeff Daniels Kanata, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Daniels, <laughs> only only Jeff Daniels can make is the face he makes before that bomb at Dennis Hopper's His house oh shit, goes off. Yeah. It's like it's an oh shit face, but he just goes <laughs> like he kind of. It's just like oh god. And I it just it breaks my heart every time. It's like it makes me so sad. So that's that's quite a late addition to the film as well, because originally Harry was revealed to be the bad guy. He was the mastermind behind it all. Oh so my God. W- once they cast Jeff Daniels, they were like, you know what? I don't think people are gonna it's go for this. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna go for it. Would have pissed people off, would have pissed me off. Yeah, I'm glad they went the way they yeah, did. He's lovable and cute and, and it actually helps us understand, you know, the Jack character. Like Jack doesn't lose it ever with any of the other shit that's going on but his buddy dying it's like all right you can lose it there's some you're not perfect but he loses it for like 10 seconds and because annie says i need you he's like oh okay yeah the last act i i see the problems that you're that you have with them i i agree 100 percent, and it is kind of magical that it doesn't ruin the movie yeah it's it gives us that extra little bit and it, i think for this kind of movie it's very satisfying very what? It's very... Aha, I see. And often, if it did, if this film ended at the airport, it would be like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm satisfied, classic, but... Classic but... Uh, ending, uh, yeah. and it's a bit of a boring ending. It's like, oh, there's more. It is that. Yeah. It is playing on that, but wait, there's more. Yeah. And it works. Sometimes, but wait, there's more. It's like, oh, God, really? Yeah. Okay, fine. No, it does work overall. And usually, usually for But Wait, There's More, you really need to ramp it up. You really need to pull it out of the bag. There has to be a twist. There has to be things that the audience wouldn't have expected. 
like Harry being the the thing, but yeah, it just it just ekes past. It gets a pass. So I mean, one year after this, we had Die Hard three, Die Hard with a Vengeance. And a lot of people say that that is as good as the first film, if not better, and it's certainly the best Die Hard sequel. I disagree with that because Die Hard with a Vengeance has a but wait, there's more because John McClane has to get Jeremy Irons, and the last act of yeah. Die Hard with a Vengeance is bad and it is unsatisfying so i think it's really cool that the film that john mctiernan passed on because it was a diehard ripoff actually did what he tried to do a year later better than he managed to pull it off in my opinion yeah diehard fans i think that's fair come at me but diehard 2 is better than diehard 3 i'm ready to go into staples if you are let's do it go go okay so i've only got a couple but he is a jack he's a jack you're getting it. You get there finally, man. Look, it will all I'm become still not clear. Convinced. Will, you don't still know what I'm convinced. trying to convince you of yet. It will all become clear when we get to the end. So okay. he is a John or a Jack, and he is doing his own stunts massively in this, more so than awesome. in any film. I'm up so glad. That. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's really nice. good. But honestly, yeah. I don't even remember hearing a, a woe in this. No, he's, there were no words. He's not guilt in some. He doesn't have luscious hair to the point that definitely. Not. Um, it was Jan de Bont's call to say go away and have a career appropriate haircut for a swap guy. So he got that crew yeah. cut, and the studio hated it so much they contemplated delaying the shoot so that he could grow his hair wow. back. <laughs> it's so funny because crew cuts were really not like popular. At that time, you know? it's, it's it's a really big part, though, actually, of his image because we haven't seen him like this before, and he's very different to how we've seen him before. And yeah. you you know, I'm getting a slightly different Keanu here, and yeah. I think it's really important. Did you notice any woes in this? Absolutely not. Right? Okay. No. Because no, I think I, I think, think that's he, it. I wouldn't even say that we. Oh, I think he's too composed. He definitely didn't play a guitar. Well, I see, I think there could have been a woe when he found the bomb. He definitely didn't play a guitar. Can you imagine if just like when they're when they're cruising around the airport, just like it's boring, they don't know what to do. Like, what do we do next? He's just like, just play a little tune. Just hey. starts playing. Hey, Gigantor, you know how to play that thing? Yeah. Kumbaya, my lord. <laughs> That's it. Um, that would yeah, be good and, for the loop. And I'd say, <laughs> I'd say no, um, no inappropriate reaction shots either. Not really. Not at all, actually. I thought he was on point in this. Yeah, on point. Uh, Broody Stoner Hunk, bro. Nope. No. Not really. He's a man of action. He is, he is. focused as fuck in this. Yeah. I don't think he guilted any at all. Absolutely I think not. any little thing. Maybe he had a sneak peek when he was like looking for the bomb underneath. Under the, her skirt. <laughs> under, yeah, looking for the bomb. <laughs> he does. He puts his hand on her knee. It's so unnecessary. That's the funny. That's the funny thing about that scene. Is he's on the phone, he's bending over, and he puts his hand on Sandra Bullock's knee, and he says, it's all clean down there. Yeah. Yes! And then the shot goes back to Sandra Bullock, and she goes, huh? Yeah. Like, she makes a noise. She's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was literally, like, between her legs, and he says, and that's really (laughs) subtle, if you, like, a really subtle moment. So that's what I'm saying, is that... There is this doesn't, kind of guilt. There is a moment of guilting. Some. No, it doesn't count as guilting. Some. Their relationship is is wonderfully PG thirteen in this, even though it does end with them talking about how much sex they're going to have. Yeah, Sandra Bullock says we can just base the relationship on sex. It's, a, yeah. it's yeah, and it's a hundred percent consensual. There's no guilt attached to it. I don't think. 
Okay, okay. So guilting some is not a tick, but that was a funny yeah, little no, was, moment. I'm glad, I, I, I'm glad you managed to get that. Picked in up on that too. One other point, uh, again, referring back to Freaked, there is an Ortiz in this, and he is not a dog boy. Oh, is there? Okay. Gigantor is Ortiz. Oh, right. He's, his name is Ortiz. Okay, yeah. fine. I think from a philosophical point of view, there, there is an argument to be made in the dynamic between Harry, Jack, and Howard Payne that they're all approaching the same problem from different philosophical standpoints, which is why they're all at odds with one another. Harry's much more about avoiding collateral damage. Jack is more about taking action to nullify the threat. You know, kill the hostage and he's got nothing to bargain with. Not kill the hostage, but shoot the hostage. Um, And Howard Payne is coming from a different angle completely because he's a, a terrorist. So I think if this were, say, Christopher Nolan's speed those philosophical standpoints would, would be played up a lot more, but I think really we're reaching a little bit there trying to, to make it about yeah. anything other than function of the script. Yeah. yeah. Do you want some numbers? Give give me all the numbers. They're great numbers, this one. I'm really proud of it. It's your numbers. Budget. $30 million. Now, yeah, that's high. It's that's high. not that high. That is less than Dracula. Um, oh, right. And I think it's less than Little Buddha. This is this costs less than Little Buddha. Definitely made more. Well, I well, can't, the, you my can't only, do as badly as Little Buddha. My, my did. only point about the, the budget is again that's that's mid-ish budget uh, for for a tentpole action film around this time, and I think it's easy to forget. Sorry, t- tentpole tentpole action film. Meaning, like, what a studio is going to pin their summer takings on. Oh, okay. Um, and it is easy to forget that in 1994, no one saw this film coming. This was not going to be the big hit of the summer. We had The Lion King. We had uh, Forrest Gump. These were, you know, the, the the real biggies that were coming out. And it was the confidence of the studio after the test screenings and how well people responded to it that they moved it up the schedule by almost three months, so that it came out in the beginning of June, and it became mm-hmm. their big summer hit because it looks like a film that costs a lot more than it did. You know, it really works within the confines of its budget really well. Keanu Reeves's salary was one point yeah. two million dollars, so not that big, especially yeah, when you consider big. he got a million for Freaked. Yeah, and he's doing a hell of a lot more on this one. His fee's a million. Yeah, yeah. At this time of his career, that's his fee. Yeah. All I'm saying is so, if, if you'd got a Bruce yeah. Willis or a Tom Cruise or someone, it would have cost you a hell of a lot more. Five to ten, maybe, at this time of their Definitely. careers. If, yeah. uh, if not more. So, so, but it's Keanu's like a, he's a, con, he's a contender because his fee's lower well, and he, he'd do just as good a job. His salary, as, his salary directly after Speed came out went up yeah. considerably because the worldwide gross of this film was $350.5 million, <laughs> which is a monster. It was in the top oh five God. worldwide that year. No one expected that to happen. It was a genuine phenomenon. It went on to be nominated for three Oscars for Best Editing, Best Sound, and Best Sound Editing. It lost yeah. Best Editing to Forrest Gump, which I think... Oh. I don't think that fair is enough. fair enough, but I think Forrest Gump got the editing award because of the effects. I think the editing is more effective in speed. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I, I think it's hard to determine. Sometimes it's di- difficult to determine because, I mean, Forrest Gump got a shit ton of awards, didn't it? won all of them, yeah. Right, so give it speed. <laughs> that's what I right, like, exactly. Just give it to speed. And like, if, you know. if for no other reason than the freeway sequence, like that sequence yeah. doesn't work without world-class editing. Listen, the editing in this is bang on. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Brilliant. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But it did win Oscars for best sound and best sound editing. It currently sits on AMDB at 7.2 and it has a Rotten Tomato score of 94%. Deserved. This I think is, deserved. Yeah. in the Keanu Copia, one of the biggest hitters we're going to have and it's certainly the biggest hitter we've had so far. Oh, so far, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, none of that None of that surprises me. The 300 million, like, it's... 350. Yeah, 350 million. That, that like, really surprised me. I'd like I'd like a chunk of that. I wouldn't be nice. Well, Keanu did get a chunk of that. Yeah, a tiny, tiny chunk, relatively. Yeah, I'm but not surprised his fee his fee went up after this. When, yeah, yeah. When we get to chain reaction, let's see what his salary was yeah. on that. He's like, you know what? <laughs> you know, you'd get paid a million, and like you're the main star in the film. And it's like you go you go to your agent after after a summer like that. Keanu, go, baby, great news. The film's performing great. It's going going super. Yeah. So can I? So can I? Does that mean I can have like uh, more money? Sure, time? sure, sure, sure. We're gonna get you one and a half to two million dollars on the next movie. You're not gonna believe what this movie's making. Three hundred and fifty million dollars it made, Keanu. You got one percent of this movie. <laughs> Pulls out a gun and says, "I want more." Pop quiz, hot shot. It's your numbers, Alex. Alex, we have to come around to wrapping this up. We do have to wrap it up. What would you rate this movie? Five stars. Five stars. Yes. No hesitation. Five stars. My man. No hesitation. I'm right there with you, man. Five stars. I, in the normally what I do on my on my little notes here, I put a little star just to find that star emoji at the top, like just to have it so it's there, so I don't have to find it again. So I put one star there. This is like thirty seconds into the film. And then when Dennis Hopper stabs the guy in the ear, I just put five stars. <laughs> that was it. Strange. That was it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's that film. And I just, five stars. I, I just knew it. It's one of my favorite things. I mention it on a few episodes where it's like, there's something that some films do where even when I haven't seen them, within the first minute, two minutes, there's just something about the sound, the diegesis, the shots, the editing. Even if it's just the credit sequence, I'm like, yep, they know what they're doing. I'm in safe hands. Yeah, I, know what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, totally. I said it on Valkyrie. I think I said it on Always. There's a few movies where it's like, they don't have to be the most amazing movie I've ever seen. Color of Money? Yeah, definitely Color of Money. Where it's just like, I'm in good hands. I'm going to enjoy this film. And that's the that's the feeling you get from this film. And I think to its credit, for such a fast movie, hmm. starts off a little bit slow. Nice music, getting you into it, gives you time to settle into your seat, get your snacks ready, whatever it is you're doing. And and it just kind of eases you into it. You're ready. You're ready for whatever it's going to give you. And yeah, just it's this is one of those films that you know you're in good hands within the first minute or two. Yeah, I agree. And I think even more so, uh, I get these cravings sometimes where i really want to watch just a really satisfying you know really movie and you know something that's kind of like 
muscular but smart and it's just going to leave me fulfilled. Jack Reacher is one of those movies. Yeah. Skyfall is one of those movies. 100%. This is one of those movies. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to watch it again very soon. We reviewed Jack Reacher, didn't we, Ben? We did, yeah. It was a good one. Season two. Yep, indeed. Do you want to speak briefly about Speed 2? Have you seen Speed 2? I've seen it and everyone I've ever... When I tell them I'm doing this, they say, oh, Speed 2 shit. I'm like, yeah, we're reviewing Speed. Yeah, but Speed 2 shit, isn't it? I'm like, okay, like, like yes. Uh, but I don't remember it being shit. All I remember is seeing it and not rem- and not remembering it. That's what I remember. It's I know Sandra Bullock's in it, but it, I just don't. And Jason Patrick. I that's think. right. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really bad film. It was a really, really expensive film. It's also, if you can accept that it's awful in all the ways that Speed One is good, it's perversely enjoyable. Um, all right. It's it's so over the top. It's so hyperactive, and yet the speed element is missing because you're on a fucking cruise ship for most of the time. It's so weird. It's ridiculous. And they they, st- they call it Speed Two Cruise Control. Cruise Control, right? And the, yeah. there is money on the screen. You know, Jan de Bont came back and just destroyed lots of things for that film. So there is there is enjoyment Sounds to be had like there. Agreed to do it. Why wasn't Keanu in the running for it? They they. Asked him to come back, and he put his price tag so high that the studio went, "Whoa, daddy! No, 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 no! That's crazy!" Like he asked for like fifteen to twenty million for the for the sequel, and they didn't really see that by nineteen ninety seven, Keanu Reeves wasn't the Keanu Reeves of nineteen ninety four. Let's put it that way, and we'll come back to that. Yeah, but aren't we glad that he didn't do Speed Definitely. Two because Definitely. in nineteen ninety seven he was he was filming The Matrix. No, not yet. He wasn't really. Yeah, not yet. I thought it took two years to film that. Well, let's say 96 then, if they were shooting Speed 2. Fine. Nice. The, uh, the, the point enough, is, okay. uh, yeah. he didn't like the script. He was only going to do it if they paid him the, you know, enough to fly to the Fine. sun and back. So are we going to do it? No. Are we do it as a bonus in episode? The, <laughs> the, the, the good things about the film can be summed up, in my opinion. Willem Dafoe is visibly eating pieces of the scenery in front of you. He is... <laughs> hamming it up so bad in that film and he's having a great time doing it and that's always fun to watch Sandra Bullock in my opinion has never been more beautiful than she was in Speed 2 she is absolutely stunning in that film and that's about it yeah (laughs) I like Jason Patrick but he's he's like wooden is my memory of it he's he's nothing he's not great in it no he's a good looking guy That's that's it yeah so that was Speed, and very briefly, Speed 2. Next time, Alex, we have Keanu Reeves' first foray into science fiction. Yep. Johnny Mnemonic, which I imagine is a film you have seen? I've seen it, and okay. I don't remember it. Okay. Uh, but I am looking forward to it just because it's sci-fi. No I think other reason. There's going to be plenty to talk about. It's going to be a good, a good episode, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so, until... Next time, when we discuss Johnny Mnemonic, be excellent to each other. And if you've got like an opportunity to do it, you're not socially distancing in your area, party on. You could party on on your own. Uh, it's the best kind of party. I'm yeah. having a me party, like Amy Adams in The Muppets. Maybe, maybe invite Ben, because he needs, he needs it. He needs some, uh, some party time. This party of one needs some company. What's that from?
not for anything. It's from a shit action movie I just wrote in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do more of that. Next time on the Anthology, shit Ben action movies. You got a deal, crud face. See you later, dudes. Bye. Party on. Party on.